You're listening to Discover Hope with Pastor Tom Leake of Hope Bible Church in Columbia, Maryland. The sovereign will of God needs to be contrasted with the moral will of God. The moral will of God is also called the revealed will of God, or sometimes people call it the commanded will of God. It is what God revealed and commanded us to do that has to do with our obligations, morals, ethics, to live before man and before God. That's revealed and that's told us. That's the moral will of God. Listen to this because this will help you a lot in understanding the will of God. It's a well-known fact that God has a plan for you, but do you know what it is? Pastor Tom will be discussing today some different aspects of God's will, which parts can we know for certain, as well as parts of His will that are to remain a mystery. Though we'd like to know exactly what's coming our way in life, we can take comfort in knowing that God's plans for us are good, and He has them in the palm of His hand. He's in control, and that's a good thing. Now here's Pastor Tom in the book of James chapter 4 as he continues his message, The Pride of Presumptuous Planning. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus told a parable saying, the land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat. Drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You don't want to be that guy, do you? Those who presume on tomorrow, especially those who are not rich toward God, err in their thinking. For we do not know what God will do tomorrow, and we don't even know if we will be alive tomorrow, right? That's the message that we're learning from James chapter 4. That's the key. If you fall asleep after this, you're already accountable for the truth because I know you heard it. (laughs) This is the lesson of our passage. Presumption. Presumption on our future is an expression of arrogance. It's a sin. It needs correction. James is doing it. Let's read it. Open to James 4, 13 to 17. I'll read it again. We'll pick up in the middle. This is part two. James writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, We will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Now, we noted before that chapter 4 of James is correcting worldliness. It's also correcting human pride, which, by the way, is an expression of worldliness. God hates Pride. That would be a message in and of itself. That would be a great five-parter. God hates pride because humans love their pride and God hates it. And that's why God is opposed to what's going on in the human race right now. God is not okay with things in the human race. God hates human pride. He is opposed to proud people. It says so in this passage. It's not too hard to interpret. But God gives His help, that is His grace, to those who are what? Humble. 
So if you want God's help, you have to be humble. You have to humble yourself. That's just a fact. And the people that teach otherwise are false teachers because this is a basic truth with God. Presumption concerning our future plans is a product of sinful pride. Sorry, it just is. To humble that pride, James is taking us through this passage, and I called it five stages he's taking us through to retrain us, or you might say to humble us. Five stages. We kind of covered two and a half last time. We'll finish it this time. First stage, that's in verse 13. If you look at it, that's where presumptuous planning was pictured. These uh, very colorful Jewish businessmen that have all their life mapped out, what they're going to do for a year, how they're going to make a profit. They're so confident about it. God said that this is wrong. We covered that last time. They specified where they were going to go, how long they would be there, what they would do, what the outcome would be. I mean, it was a slam dunk. They knew it. Then they moved to the second stage where James is retraining us, and it is that the presumption that is pictured in verse 13 is revealed in verse 14. They cannot be that confident. Why not? Because they don't know anything at all about tomorrow. Little little snafu in their plan there, right? Don't know anything about tomorrow. Don't even know you'll be alive tomorrow. That's a problem. That's a big problem. Then we left off in the middle of stage three in our humbling, and that is, look at verse 15, kind of the proper thinking that is supplied for us. In fact, um, he actually puts words into our mouth that we ought to be saying, but it's reflective of the way we ought to be thinking first. This is how we ought to think. So James takes some words and he shoves them in our mouth and says, this is what, this is what you ought to be saying. This is what ought to be coming out. And look at verse 15. It says, instead, you ought to say. Now, this is in the context of planning. Instead, you ought to say, and you start with this, if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills. That's very important theology. If the Lord wills, we will, and notice how he puts it, we will live. Start with that. That's basic. We will live and do this or do that. Now, there's all kinds of ways in which life is taken away from people when they're not expecting it to be taken away, right? I mean, there are accidents, there are earthquakes, there are tragedies, there are diseases, there are heart attacks. So the first thing we ought to know is if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. Young people don't even listen to this kind of stuff because they just presume they're going to live the next however many years because they look around, they see adults living, and they figure they're going to live. Young people don't even know this. Young people don't even know this. So he has to put the statement in their mouths. This is the proper way that believers talk. Among those who know what the world does not know, that God is sovereign over all the affairs of the earth, this is how we ought to talk. The humble acknowledge they can't control things. Only God can control things. There is a God, and God is in control of all things. You know, some people are called control freaks. Are you one of them? Are you a control freak? See, Everyone in the family knows who a control freak is, right? They try to control everything. Do you have a control freak at work? Are you the control freak at work? You know who those people are. They cannot stand. Every detail has to be planned. It all has to go the way they want it to go. And you know what? Oh, there's so much frustration in that because you really can't control all of it. And by the way, being a control freak is an expression of sinful pride. It's sinful pride. Are you an avid planner? I confessed last week that I'm an avid planner, much more so in the past than I am now, but are you an avid planner? Do you plan without acknowledging God's role in it? Or are you consciously knowing that as you plan, it just might not happen? It just might not happen. Is that in your mind? Is that in your heart as you're doing planning? If it's not, guess what? Your avid planning is an expression of sinful pride. 
The sovereignty of God means that we're always thinking in our heads and saying with our mouths, I will do such and such, whatever the such and such is. It could be about sports. It could be about business. It could be about anything. I will do such and such if God who's in the heavens and set over all the affairs of the earth, if he what? Wills it. If he wants it. Never, by the way, if he can do it. That's assumed. So his omnipotence is assumed. It's now just a decision of whether or not he wants it to happen or not. If he wants it, it's going to happen. If he doesn't, it's not. Pretty simple, really. If it is written on God's planner, it is going to happen, period. If it's on my planner, that's yeah, kind of iffy. That's what we said last time. It may happen. It may not happen. It just may not happen because I can't control the future. God can. If God wills, is on the lips of those who constantly live under the awareness that God is ruling over their lives. Listen, the unbelieving world does not want to acknowledge that at all. Would you agree? They do not want to acknowledge that there is one God in heaven. He's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not another God by another name, and He and He alone is in control of everything. Human governments are not in control of things. Parents are not in control of things. Powerful people are not in control of things. The rich and powerful are not that rich and powerful, really. God is the one who's rich and powerful. He's over all things. God wills it, it'll happen. Now, by the way, sometimes what we do is we make plans and we don't say if God wills. And someone says, you didn't say if the Lord wills. And we say, well, I was just assuming that. But he wants us to say it. He wants us to say it. And I'm not saying you have to say it every single time you say anything about tomorrow and the next week. But it really ought to be coming from our lips. Why? Because if you're out there, well, let's put it this way. If you're among believers and you say if the Lord wills, that reminds all the other believers, oh, yeah, there is a God in heaven, and we should be living that way. If you're not among believers and you say, if the Lord wills, by the way, put if the Lord Jesus wills, put that in there so they know which Lord you're talking about, right? If the Lord wills, not Hare Krishna or something like that, if the Lord wills, we will do such and such. That is an opening to a witness that is immediately, you know, butting heads with their worldview, and that gives you an opportunity to witness. You see why you need to say it? It needs to be on our lips. It is the practical vocabulary of those who believe in the sovereignty of God. Do you believe in the sovereignty of God? That was terrible. Do you believe in the sovereignty of God? Yes. Wake you guys up. Well, if you believe it, you need to go tell other people that also. And you get to witness that way. Our faith is not an irrational faith. It is a faith based upon a God who's made his presence and his existence abundantly clear through so many evidences. Our faith is in him. Even though we can't see him, we still have to walk by faith. And part of that faith is the sovereignty of God. Psalm 115, verse 3. Write that down somewhere and meditate on it this week. Psalm 115, verse 3. Our God, not some other God, our God is in the heavens and I just love this next thing. Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. There are a lot of people that live on earth and they say, I am going to do whatever I please. You know what happens to them? They end up in jail. With God, he does whatever he pleases. And no one says to him, whoa, 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 what are you doing there? No one ever says that to God. Like that rich man, he made plans. But his plans conflicted with God. God's one. Your soul will be required of you tonight. I have picked the day on which you will die. Don't you dare presume on the future because when I take you, I'm taking you. 
I'm going to call a couple of angels, and they're going to go down there. Your body's going to die. He's going to take your spirit. You're going to come before me, and you're going to give an account for how you live the last 30, 40, 50 years, right? It's over. He's in charge of that. That should shake us. That's people who live in the fear of God all the time, right? That's how we should always live. But we act like we're in charge. We act like we're the thing, like we're the event. There is no mother nature out there controlling anything. There is a Father God, a Father God who is. That is not a religious sentiment. That is a reality statement. And if you don't know that, you're not educated yet. Psalm 103.19, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens. Notice always in the heavens, in the heavens. The heavens are above the earth, right? Heavens are in charge of the earth. That's the idea. The Lord has established his throne. Sits on it. He's a king, right? In the heavens. And his sovereignty rules over all. Anyone who thinks that God has to come up with a plan B to figure out what to do after men in their free will choose what they want to do is not reading the Bible. God is in control of the choices of men, not the other way around. God's not trying to figure out, okay, they, they made this decision, so now what am I going to do? That's <laughs> not God. No, you laugh at that, but there's a lot of theology that's like that. That's really the essence of Arminian teaching. The Lord, of course, is specifically the God of Israel. Make sure that you know that. When it says Lord, he's talking about Yahweh. That's in capital letters. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. Yahweh has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty not Allah, not anyone else. His sovereignty rules over all. He rules all governments. He rules all businesses. He rules all institutions. He rules all peoples. He rules all families. There was one guy that didn't want to believe that. He thought his sovereignty ruled over all. And then one day he came to his senses in Daniel 4.35, and these are the words that he spoke. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth, and no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? Do you remember his name? King Nebuchadnezzar, emperor, king of kings, ruler of the greatest empire that had ever existed in the world up to that point in time, conqueror of kings. And he said, no, no one can stay his hand. God wants to shake the world, and He will. By the way, in the end times, it says there will be so great an earthquake that the cities of the earth will fall. I'm thinking, what's that? That's the cities of the earth. Man, that's like New York. That's like San Francisco. That's like all the great cities of the world. They're going to just crumble, London, wherever. It says the great city will be split in three parts. I don't know what this will be, a 15.0 earthquake. I don't know what it'll be, but it'll be massive. Why does that happen? So that God can remind everyone on the earth you're nothing. You're absolutely nothing. Deuteronomy 29, 29, another great verse to uh, write down and look at this week. Deuteronomy 29, 29, it speaks of the sovereign plan that God has, which he's carrying out, that no one can slow him or stop him from doing it or change his mind. And it also talks about the revealed will of God. Listen to this verse. It says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever. Why? So that we may observe or keep or obey all the words of this law. The sovereign plan of God is sometimes called the secret plan of God. Why? Because we don't know what it is. We don't know what He's doing. We don't see it. We don't read about it in the Bible. It's just something He's carrying out and He's doing. He's sovereign and it's secret. It only becomes revealed when history passes. 
There are all kinds of things that we say, you know what, that'll never happen. And then history goes by and it happens. We're like, wow, we're amazed. It was the secret will of God being unfolded hour by hour, day by day, and year by year. We only read about it, know about it as history passes. Reading history is kind of a way of learning the secret and the sovereign will of God. There is one exception to that. There is one way we can know a little bit of the secret and sovereign will of God, and that is when we read in the Bible prophetic statements of things that are going to happen in our future. Whenever God says, this is going to happen in our future, it's going to happen, right? Because He said it's going to happen, so it's going to happen. No one's going to stop Him from doing it, correct? I mean, that's the inerrancy, infallibility, and the authority of the Bible is when He says, this is what's going to happen. There's going to be an antichrist. There's going to be a seven-year tribulation. There's going to be a coming kingdom, and this is going to happen, and this war is going to happen, then that's going to happen. So we get a little sneak peek into the sovereign and secret will of God. That's the only exception. That's the only exception. This passage in James... And there are other passages, these other passages that we read as well, conclusively show us that God's sovereign will for our lives is secret. We can't know what's going to happen with the future of the nation. We can guess. We can't know what's going to happen with the future of the world. We can guess, but we can't know. I can try to figure out what's going to happen in my life next week or next month, or you can come to me and I can say, I think this is what's going to happen. But they're all really guesses, right? You don't really know. It's a secret will. It's unknown, and let me add this, it's unknowable. That's the part people don't like. It's not only unknown, it's unknowable. God doesn't want us to know it. By the way, remember King Saul? He wanted to know what was going to happen in battle, and there was no prophet in Israel, so he decided to go to the witch and have the witch use her supernatural abilities to tell what's going to happen in the future. And God kind of pushes aside the power of the witch, and there all of a sudden is Samuel pronouncing judgment on him, and he dies in battle the next day along with his son. You don't want to know the future. And you don't want to go to demonic sources to try to divine the future. Just leave it in the sovereign, secret plan of God. That's the point. We may wish that God would tell us. Just tell me, what are you doing, God, in my life? I don't really know. Where are you taking me? What's going to happen? Who am I going to meet? Who's going to influence my life? What kind of place am I going to live in? How much money am I going to make? Am I ever going to have a hot tub in my backyard? All those important questions in life. You may wish that you knew those things. And guess what? God is not going to tell you. There are all kinds of churches out there that come up with these crazy ideas of how you can know the future. Please don't listen to them. You cannot know the future. God doesn't want you to know the future. He doesn't want me to know. Believe me, I want to know. I'm like all the time, what are you doing? And you know what the answer is? I'm doing what I'm doing. Trust me. Okay. Gary Friesen in his book, Decision Making and Will of God, written a while ago, he wrote some words, a kind of an extended quote, but it's really helpful. The ultimate proof of the certainty of God's sovereign will was presented at Calvary. Far from frustrating God's plan, the most wicked act ever committed, the willful murder of God's Son and Israel's Messiah, actually accomplished the central requirement in God's glorious plan of redemption. Contrary to misled opinion, the crucifixion did not force God into a plan B. A Savior was foreknown before the foundation of the world. He goes on. We know that God's plan is perfect because God is perfect. Our knowledge of that fact is grounded in faith, not sight. According to the human eye, the world often seems chaotic, controlled by the sovereign rule of Satan. The person who walks by sight will not be equipped to face and cope with tragedy when it comes to him. 
Such a person sees external circumstances from the same perspective as an unbeliever and is more inclined to curse his bad luck or become bitter toward God for his failure to intervene than to glorify God even in adversity. But the Christian who has a mature understanding and trust in God's sovereign plan is spiritually prepared for anything, he writes. He may not understand why he had to endure some difficulty, but he will know that his experience is part of the sovereign plan of an all-wise and loving God. In tragedy, one can never unscrew the unscrutable and explain why something happened. All our why questions must ultimately have the same answer. Our loving God in His sovereign wisdom willed it so. His plan is perfect. That is all we know, but that is enough. That's what he writes. The sovereign will of God needs to be contrasted with the moral will of God. The moral will of God is also called the revealed will of God, or sometimes people call it the commanded will of God. It is what God revealed and commanded us to do that has to do with our obligations, morals, ethics, to live before man and before God. That's revealed and that's told us. That's the moral will of God. Listen to this because this will help you a lot in understanding the will of God. Then the sovereign will of God is different. It's still the will of God, but it's secret. It's not revealed. We can't know it until it's unfolded, as we said. I'm going to give you some verses, and this is a little quiz. You won't have to raise your hand or anything. Just think. I'm going to read a verse, and it's going to talk about the will of God. You tell me, quiz time, you tell me, or at least tell yourself, is this the moral revealed will of God, or is this the sovereign and secret will of God? Listen, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. What is that? That's the moral and revealed and commanded will of God, that we not give in to sexual temptation that we keep ourselves pure, right? He's commanded us to live that way. Mark 3.35, whoever does the will of God, Jesus said, he is my brother and sister and mother. Again, that's the moral will of God, right? That's the revealed will of God, doing the will of God. Romans 1.10, Paul wrote, always in my prayers making request, if perhaps now, at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. He didn't know. He was hoping. So it is what? The sovereign and the secret will of God. By the way, Paul did not know the future. He was a pretty spiritual guy. Would you agree? He had a lot of spiritual giftedness. And he did not know the future. I'll come back to that thought. You hang on to that because that's pretty important. First John 2, 17. The world is passing away and also its lust, but the one who does the will of God abides forever, lives forever. What's that? That's the moral. Oh, you were a little hesitant on that. That's the moral will of God. That's the revealed will of God. Romans 15, 32. So that I may come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. That's future plans. That's travel plans. He's subjected it to the will of God. That's the sovereign and secret will of God. He's hoping that that's the case. He's praying that's the case. He does not know. Ephesians 5, 17. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What's that? That has to be the revealed will of God because you can't understand what the secret will of God is. You need to understand the moral will of God, the commanded will of God, so you can do it. So you can practice that. Just type in in your software, will of God, and try to quiz yourself on that, okay? 
Now, some people are trying to figure out the sovereign will of God for their lives. You might be there. I want to know the will of God. What's the will of God? I want to know the will of God is because I want to keep the will of God so much. Yeah, well, why aren't you keeping the commanded will of God? You want to know the secret will of God because you're just going to keep it, right? Because you're going to love that will. No, you're not. You're going to hate it. I mean, when I was younger, I said, after I was saved, I said, there's no way I'm going to be a pastor. I didn't like the idea of being a pastor. I didn't like the idea of talking in front of people. There's no way I was going to do it. God had something else written on his planner. Who won? God wins. Aren't you glad that the Lord is the one that directs our steps? When we look back at life, we can see all the ways that God directed and provided along the way. The problem is, we wish it was as clearly visible looking forward. That's where we can employ our faith, knowing that if God was good to guide in the past, He is trustworthy to plan our future. With sad yet hope-filled hearts, we want to let you know that Pastor Tom Leak, the voice you've been listening to today, has gone home to be with Jesus. Pastor Tom served the Lord faithfully here on earth for 24 years, pastoring thousands and helping to create a network of like-minded churches in the Mid-Atlantic region. He shared the gospel unashamedly, shining light into this dark world. Pastor Tom will be missed, but we rejoice that he is healed and with his Savior. If you would like to learn more about Pastor Tom and his legacy, visit hopebible.org. Now, here's a preview of the next edition of Discover Hope. Next time on Discover Hope with Pastor Tom, we'll be looking at how pride is the driving force behind presumptuous planning. If we understand that any control we believe we have is only an illusion, we might change our speech to say, if the Lord wills, as we make our plans. God is absolutely sovereign, and we aren't. So how do we make plans? Tune in next time to find out. Thanks for tuning in today for Discover Hope. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Tom, visit HopeBibleChurch.org. There's much more to learn from the book of James, so we hope you'll join us again right here on Discover Hope.